0: and welcome to all of you. As you see, uh, the video link, uh, most of you probably know, these are uh, the title called Cool Runnings. And it was uh, showed up, I believe, way back in 1993. So those of you who have remembered this, uh, again, it's a movie, it's about the bobsled team that's being started in the beautiful island of Jamaica, which there's no such thing as snow over there or ice. So, Uh, but the reason why I chose that one is just for us to see what is more precious than gold or what is more precious than winning the glory or winning the prize, right? Being an app versus winning gold. What is it? You know, winning gold or purse place is a wonderful experience. Just like the way back 1992, a year before this movie, it's the first the USA Dream Team the bar, in Barcelona. Which is, I think, it's still the greatest team ever assembled in the NBA. I know some of the millennials will argue with me that LeBron James, all these guys, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I still believe the greatest player, and think, it's still Michael Jordan. So those of you who like to argue with me, don't. No? Even though he's the greatest player, but he's not my favorite at that time. You know my favorite is Charles Barkley. <laughs> but then, what in common in this? 1992 Olympic team. Most of them, or all of them except one from the college team, which is Christian Leitner, all of them went into a Hall of Fame. And not all of them won an NBA championship. Like example, my favorite player, Charles Barkley, never won one. But most of them, they did win at least one. Not counting with Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen, they won six for each of them. But what do they have in common here? All of them won the gold medal. It's, it's an honor for the country, you know, for the, the Team USA, in order for them to win the gold medal. But do you think they have enough after they win that gold? In 19, in uh, 1996, Charles Barkley was not enough for him to win a gold. He went to another Olympic team, which is the second. They don't call it a dream team, but the second time they sent the NBA players to the dream team, in which they won another gold. But again, he didn't win the ultimate prize, which is the NBA championship. How will I know if I have enough? Do you think you'll be enough with it? If you're not enough without it, you will never be enough with it. How will I know? Right? In life, do we have enough? Do we have good health, relationship, achievements? Do we have enough money? What about contentment or satisfaction? These are goals in life for us to continue to chase dreams, to to chase or dream about. Every life is different and achieving each life goal is the example. I remember uh, one of my wife's uncle who recently passed away just a few days before his death. He said to his wife, and I know that my wife is listening uh, or she's watching on Facebook and she will like this one the way I'm going to say it. He said to his wife, in whom he loves and serve her well. And I quote, "Say, Dear, is there anything else I can do for you? Did I give you enough to make you happy? If one of your goals in life is achieved, do you think you will be enough with it? Or how do we know that we have enough? Again, let's read uh, the text that we have this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I dis- discipline myself, my body, and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified looking at the message today perishable writ versus imperishable writ obviously we will choose the imperishable one but like i said earlier winning gold it's also a perishable one right because eventually it will die down beginning each year everybody has so called a new year's resolution You see the photo? Those of you who didn't understand that one, uh, someone can explain to what she what said. We have this New Year's resolution. What is it, right? Probably some of us were thinking and trying to identify something that we want, but something that we don't have yet. What is this? Perishable weight. Losing weight in order to have a healthy body. I'm not saying that's wrong. Yes, that's good. You have to have a healthy body, right? But these are also something that it will die down, right? Losing weight, right? It's funny because I said, say something that we want, but we don't have it. It's the other way around. We want to lose it badly, the weight, right? We want to lose it. The first one is correct. Let me explain. But first, I will give credit to the preacher about the message today. Again, my prayer to all of us is to get a better message from God than this sermon today, right? Uh, as I come across with this uh, message, I uh, listened to one of the the messages. It's called Obtaining the Price, and later on we will see uh, the footnote that is uh, again to give uh, uh, to give credit to the preacher that I. Come across with, and now I'm going to share it with you. Again, my praise to all of us to get a message from God, a better message than this sermon today. Recognize that in order to gain what you want, it's going to require a measure of discipline. One of the reasons we don't have yet what we want, the answer is due to a lack of self discipline, or in the verses that we read, self control. Self control. This is what Paul is talking about in this passage. Self-control means that we give up something that we want in order to gain something that we want even more. See, we have these short-term desires and we recognize it to be limited in value. When trying to lose weight, two desires that we need to have control with. What are these two desires? Both which starts with letter E. What are these when trying to lose weight? Eating. Eating and exercise. Eating and exercise. For me, I lack discipline in eating. I love to eat, as you can see, my body. But I don't like to exercise. It should be less eating and more exercise. right? We are willing to give up those desires in order to gain what we actually want, losing weight. But it requires a little bit of sacrifices. For me, it's a big sacrifice. To lose a little bit of weight, we have to give up eating a lot of delicious food. See what happened to our pastor, right? He gave up all those things. It's a lot of discipline that he did. That's why he's, his, his body is as good as it is now, right? Also, to get in better shape, we have to give up the comfort of, you know, we are enjoying in order to exercise. You know, sometimes we have to go out, you know, to go to workout. Uh, do these things, Sometimes we can just stay at home and watch TV and be a couch potato. But it's a little bit of sacrifice if we want to lose weight, if we want to have a healthy body. A healthy body, but we all know that one day it will perish too. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a healthy body, it's good. Or maybe we want to achieve something, learn something, become skilled in something. We recognize that it's going to require time and energy you will have to give up those small short-term desires in order to gain what we really want. This is true in any quest that we try to compete and acquire the ultimate prize, which is the perishable writ. This may be true in small goals we have in life, but Paul is saying how much more true is this if it's the imperishable prize of Christ. See, my favorite NFL player, the quarterback, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. He won seven Super Bowl. Unlike my favorite NBA players, he never won one. He said in the documentary, and I quote, if you want to compete against me, be ready to give up your life because I gave up mine. See, the training for all these famous athletes requires a lot of preparations and sacrifices. And to some, it costs them a lot of money. They do all this in order to get the price. See LeBron James again. To those millennials, you probably gonna like this. LeBron James spent a lot of money during off season, you know, to, to train his body. That's why, unlikely, uh, the last two years he's been getting injured. But his career in the beginning, that guy is like a tank. He never gets injured because he prepares his body in the off season. So when the season comes, he doesn't get injured much. He has this energy, and he prepares a lot. Again, with my favorite player, Tom Brady, he has this uh, his method of, they call it the TB12, and all these ingredients, all these methods that he, he, he eats and everything to keep a healthy body. That's why the age 45 is still playing quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, They give up, they, they, they spend a lot of time doing all these things in order for them to win the ultimate prize. Now, pursuing the crown of glory, the imperishable wreath. Pursuing the crown of glory, imperishable wreath. I hope all of us here today want the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I hope so. If we want him forever, for sure, we don't want just a wreath that will just fade away and die. We want something that we will never lose throughout eternity. But again, the big but. It will require us, in the short term, to give up a lot of things along the way. We need to give up perishable writ, worldly desires, in order to gain the imperishable price of Christ. Again, the topics today is perishable versus imperishable, run after the goal line. As you can see, the goal line is used in the game of football. So we'll talk much about Football today because I'm an avid fan of uh, American football, which is the NFL. I hope you agree with me that all Christian athletes race to the glory of God. All Christian athletes race to the glory of God. The moment that God chose to save you, the moment that God chose you to his family, we are in a race to the glory of God. Can we look at this acronym? Rather, Albin is good at this one. But can you guess what this acronym means? And slide that one. What are these? Somebody knows that? Okay. Let's flash the answer. <laughs> Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. This acronym appears in the late 70s and the early 80s in the Philippines. So most of you are pre-millennial. do you know about this? I believe all Christians here on earth are all incomplete. I believe all Christians here on earth are all incomplete. I will answer that later on. Hopefully I can answer that later on. Why did I say all are all incomplete? Some says that a man is incomplete until he finds a woman in which it completes him. But for me, if a man finds a woman and marries her, he's not just complete, he is finished. <laughs> but that's not the answer I'm gonna tell you about. All Christians are incomplete. No, that's not the one. That's only for me. <laughs> okay, can you flash Hebrews again uh, as we look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2? Just focus that uh, again, especially at the end. We are all being used by God to cross the goal line, like football. He hand up or threw the ball the salvations to us but only Jesus can cross the goal line here on earth and score a touchdown because he did it already on the cross of Calvary he finished the work already completed as Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the throne of God I can say more about this important truth that Jesus is the victorious Savior and Lord and he is declared as the more than conqueror but again that's a whole new sermon each of us runs on individual trucks. It's like uh, one of our elders, Brother Ramir, Ramir said that every Christian, they have their own truck to the glory of God. So each of us have individual trucks. For me, my understanding in applying this message today, that each individual trucks has a division in it. There are three divisions, three small trucks going to the same directions. What are these trucks? And how do they work in order to run quickly? and very lightly to move in the same direction. Like the movie Cool Runnings, the bobsled competition. All four athletes has to be synchronized to move the sled quickly and smoothly. You know, as you turn, you know, everybody has to turn to the right in order for the bobsled to turn. And if they have to slow down, everybody has to lean back. And if they have to go faster, they go forward. So all this thing has to run smoothly. But what are these trucks? What are these three trucks that we're talking about? in order for us to run in that truck that the Lord has set before us now slide 10 the mini trucks 1 to 3 the first one run after the goal line which is part of our title run after the goal line in Colossians chapter 1 verse 23 if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creations under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He continued the faith not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Do not settle for less price. Then the next mini truck. endure in self-discipline, or I call it self-control, one of the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, I use self-discipline because I don't want to use self-control. Self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, it should be called spirit control. We cannot just pick any fruit of the Spirit and leave the others. Either you apply all or none at all. No partial or incomplete, that is why it's a singular fruit. Not as fruits, as plural. Then the third mini truck, continue to glory. Continue to glory. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Again, there is a set, a race for us. There's a truck for us to continue the race finish the race just like the cool running the movie the glory of the finishing the race no matter what stands in the way they cannot take that away from you you have to finish the race doesn't matter if you're the last one Doesn't matter if it's just consolation have to finish the race but let me explain something here before we continue this is very important while reading and studying the verses above the first Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 27 A lot of us here may wonder. Apostle Paul mentioned that not everyone who starts a race receives the prize. Bear with me. In my understanding today, we need to cross the finish line in order to receive a prize. You know, first, second, or consolation prize. In verse 27, Paul talks about the possibility of being disqualified from receiving the prize. If Paul, one of the greatest apostles, considers himself maybe disqualified, how can we, ordinary Christians, run after the price if there's a possibility for us to be disqualified? This means that we can fall off the tracks and lose our way to glory or honor. Is Paul talking about something we need to do to earn salvation? Or the other way, we can earn it at all. Or if God entrusts to us the gift of salvation, is he saying that we have to hold on to it tight enough to make sure we don't fumble away our salvation before we get to the goal line. Since we are talking about race or about uh, sports, let's talk about my favorite sports here, again, the football. When a player receives football and he is still behind the goal line, he needs to run to the end zone with the football with him securely in his possession. If he drops it, lose it, fumble it away or gets tackled, Before the goal line, it's not a touchdown. Even if part of his body crosses the line, but the football is not secured, fumbling, bouncing, dropping, it's not a touchdown. Can we lose our salvation? Those who think so, please raise your hand. Don't be shy. Keep raising them. And to those who doesn't, please put down the hands of those who raising theirs. And to those who's not sure, can you please tell everyone to listen very carefully? The answer is absolutely no. We cannot lose our salvation. One of the main principles that we have, that when trying to understand any passage of the Bible, is that we heard this many times, even from our pastor, Sani, who is watching or listening with us right now. Is that scripture interprets scripture? Paul is not giving us a detailed, systematic, orderly, nuanced account of systematic theology. I have to use this one, nuance. What is this nuance? N U A N C E D. What does it mean? Example for this is looking at the painting. When you look at the painting, some of us probably won't know what the painting is all about. Like, you, you don't know. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Looking at the painting, an expert or perhaps the artist who paints it understood the painting focus point. You have to look at the focus point. But for us, ordinary men may not see it at all, even if it's pointed out and explained to us. Paul is giving us this metaphor, rich emotional appeal to do something. Let's put it this way. If we can't understand and won't be able to apply it in our daily Christian walk when we encounter passage in the Bible, when we look at this, we can take it out of the context of the Bible and try to interpret it on its own in a way that is contradictory contradictory to what the rest of the Bible teaches. All throughout the scriptures, it teaches us that there is nothing we can do to earn salvation. Not in a whole or small part that we contribute to acquire salvation. It is very clear. It is very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, that, so that no one may boast. By grace alone, through faith alone, that saves. If Paul is talking about the needs to do something, needs to exercise self-control, perform work to earn salvation, that is incorrect. Again, there is nothing we can do for the salvation God is offering to us. It is a free gift, but Jesus paid it in the most expensive way. Also, according to the passage, we can do something to preserve our salvation. Just like football, if God hand up our salvation to us, and I make sure I don't pumble it before I get to the goal line, again, the answer is no. It's not up to you, Right? Let's look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus will complete and will cross the goal line to score the touchdown. Jesus will complete and will cross the goal line to score a touchdown. Now the next verse that uh, we're going to read in John chapter 10 verse 27 to 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If you've been listening closely to Jesus, you will be familiar with his voice. You know, we hear it differently than the others. Just like a musician, easily spots the points out any off-key when listening to music. Jesus knows who are out of tune, off-key. You know, I remember years ago when I tried to join the choir, when we are practicing at the basement, they are practicing the song. Sometimes I'm not even singing yet, I'm just looking, and they say, I'm already out of tune. Just to think that I'm going to sing, I'm already out of tune. That's how good uh, the choir directors at that time is. And they always say, Alex, you're off key. Alex, you're out of tune. And I'm not even singing. (laughs) In Luke 646, why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not do what I tell you. We can't earn nor deserve salvation. And it's not up to us, to our own strength, to hold on to it. And to make sure we don't fumble it away. From the beginning of the gospel to the end, Jesus graciously gives it to us by faith, and that comes from Him also. Even the faith that we can hold on to—that one that was given to us. If we are looking somewhere else for that, then we are being misled. We can't add our own works in any part of this to earn something from God. Now the question here is: How come I said earlier that if a player runs to the cross the goal line and not in complete possession of the football? It's not a touchdown. So if God hand off the football, the salvation to me, although I keep on fumbling, juggling it, worse, dropping it, but I still manage to think that I have a possession in it and I belong to a Christian church, for example, do the work there, give my tights, accept him as my savior, and inconsistently refuse God to lord over me, but manage to cross the goal line, per se, is it also a touchdown? Now, let me explain that one. As we have studied this in, the, uh, in our Sunday school, in the book of Matthew, Let me flash this one because it's very important. Let me flash this to all of you. This part of the message that I, the preacher I mentioned earlier, to get a glimpse of understanding of to lose something, the put, football or salvation that we never had in the first place okay now Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 to 23 as most of you that attended Sunday school remember this chapter he talks about the gospel as the seed that is being sown into multiple kinds of soils on one hand Jesus says that there is some soil is really hard And the gospel can't penetrate it at all. So the devil comes along like a bird and snatches up that seed and carries it away before there is penetration into the heart of the life of the person. There's another kind of life or soil where this soil is soft, broken up, and ready to receive the gospel. When the gospel falls onto that soil, the gospel sinks deep into the heart of this person and the roots and the roots goes down go down and it grows up and bears a hundredfold fruit but then between those two extremes jesus says that there are two kinds of soil where there is something like growth there is not a deep internal real true saving faith that gets all the way down to the root of someone's heart but the kind of growth that is merely surface level whatever grows up it doesn't have roots that sinks down into someone's heart and soul. So when difficulties come up, when riches and pleasures woo us away, the faith shrivels up and dies. Not because it was a real faith for a time, but it was fumbled away, but because it was never a true saving faith. James tells us that the same thing in James chapter 2 verse 14 to 26, that some have not a real living active saving faith, but what James calls it as a dead faith. Something that is not faith at all. It's the same kind of faith. If you want to call it that, that's the demons have. They believe that what God says is true, and they tremble it away, but they don't trust themselves into it. Now, let's put it in a more simpler way. You heard others talk about the possibility of losing salvation, and the Bible doesn't acknowledge that it's a possibility. If we truly possess Christ by faith, we can never lose him, or better, he will never lose us. He holds on to us so tight that no one can snatch us out from his hand. The Bible revealed to us time and time again that when a person do walk away from Christ, not from internal faith, but an external dead, surface-level sort of faith, it's not losing or pumbling something, the salvation that a person once had. It's rather, according to the words of Jesus, losing what they never had. Uh, Looking at Matthew 25-29, For to everyone who has a will, more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will, be taken away. So it's very clear that once we have Christ by faith, we will never lose him. Rather, we will gain more of him over the course of time until we have an abundance of Christ. We don't have Jesus. If we don't have Jesus by living active saving faith, then we will lose what we never had. That's why I give that acronyms. Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. Because the more we stay longer, the more we know about Jesus, the more we know about his abundance now in John first John chapter 5 verse 11 and 12 and this is the testimony that God has given has us eternal life and this life is in His son whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of God does not have life how do we have an abundance of Christ and how do we stay away from losing what we never had again let's go back to the three-minute trucks that I uh, said earlier that we are running into the truck that our Lord Jesus Christ set before us to run after the imperishable wreath. Let's go back to the first minute track. Number one, run after the goal line. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, our text, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Does it mean that only one will cross the goal line? Again, let's apply scripture interprets scripture. So the answer is no. Because throughout the Bible, we read the people of God, plural, and not the person of God, singular. We don't have to outrun everyone else in order to win the prize. We have our own individual trucks. There will be people who start the race and not having a true genuine faith, but a sense of professing to believe in something. They agree, but not entrusting themselves to Jesus. They start the race and eventually falls away. Paul mentioned that some won't receive the prize. If that's true, then he gives us a very true exhortation. So run that you may obtain it. There's competitions, but it's not actually a competition. Focus your eyes on that one. So run that you may obtain it. Do you rather have Jesus even in a glimpse and hope that we will win the prize? Although it wasn't promised that we will cross the goal line, but rather if we have the true saving faith, he will be with us and not forsake us. The song says, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I'll tell you a story about a person that had a dream and conversed with God. The story goes, God, you are so big and mighty. You are so rich and powerful. Time money is nothing to you than compared to us god said do you have a questions about time and money yes how long is a thousand years of earth life compared to your time my time here in heaven a thousand years to you is just a second to me wow you are truly an awesome god you are not bound to any time at all question again what about money How much is a million dollars on earth compared to your money here in heaven? God said, it is just a penny. Wow, you're so rich, God, and I heard you are so generous of your money. So God, can you give me a penny from heaven? Thinking that he will get a million dollars on earth. So God said, that is not a problem. I can give you that penny. It's just a change here in heaven. But just give me a second. God asked the person, can you do that and wait for me? If that's true, to have even just, it seems impossible for us to obtain it, the price, then live in such a way to obtain it. Orient your life, give everything in your life to pursuing Christ, not just a little bit so that you have just enough, but so that you can have him him to an abundance. I came that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. What about when everything is not going our ways and sometimes the situation is against us when in the midst of stumbling and faltering in the midst of this race where we have to persevere when we don't think we have the energy or strength to do it. This leads us to the second mini track. Endure in self-discipline or self-control in verse 25 but that uh, text that we read every athlete exercises self control in all things they do it to receive a perishable writ but we an imperishable one apostle paul is going to tell us what we must do why we must do this and how we must do this see professional sports athlete they do a lot of conditioning and go through a lot of preparations they do this to be the best of what they do to succeed in competitions If you're an athlete, every part of your life, from sleeping, to everything you eat, to what you drink, how to exercise, to how to rest, and how to have your downtime, and what you're doing to prepare for the competition mentally, if you're like Tom Brady, a high-level athlete, every part of your life is scripted so that you can exercise self-control towards winning the prize. You have to give up a lot of things for them. Okay, that's clear enough for athletes. How about, how do we grow in self-control? As I mentioned earlier, self-control is one of the ingredients of the fruit of the spirit. If you are going to practice self-control, applying the fruit of the spirit, I will call instead spirit control. I hope all of us are in agreement that practicing self-control involves the other eight ingredients of the fruit of the spirit that we should consider in applying to in our daily Christian life. There are nine in that verses that we read in Galatians. That is why in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul also uses the same word to describe self-control as one of the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't something that you do in the strength of your flesh. This is what God does in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We might then not talk about the self-control, but rather being spirit-controlled. The word self doesn't come up here. It's just an English translation. So there's no such thing as self-control. The word literally means in power. It, dec- it, it describes a power in me. Not your power in you, but God's power in you. Now the idea being that people are always under the influence of something that is controlling how we are acting. Either it is our power or it is the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of whether we are being controlled by some influence, but what or who that influence is. So the question here. Is the Holy Spirit graciously in control here right now, or is it my sin? We must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit must be exercising control in us so that we can exercise self control. Well, why should we do this? It's very clear that Paul points out that the athletes do it self control to receive a perishable writ, but we an imperishable price. In those days, the crowns or Wreaths that you would gain for winning a prize would be a perishable kind of thing. Not a pressure metals, it would be some kind of vegetation that was rubbed so you can put it on on your head. So the word here, wreath, means crown or something like that. Paul is saying that if they do this for something that will decompose and degrade, how much more should we do this for, for something that we will never fade away, which is Jesus. Is it worth it? Self-control is painful. It's a matter of giving up what you want in the short term to gain what you want even more in the long term. But how do we do this? See, I myself, I'm not a self-controlled person. When I come to the list of the fruit of spirit, maybe I like focusing on love, joy, and other people worry about self-control. It doesn't work that way. That is fruit of the spirit singular again we're supposed to grow in all of these areas we don't just get to pick which fruit or which ingredients because it's not a fruits its fruit singular that we are to grow in how do we grow in self-control how do we do this continue in verse 26 so I do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air do you feel aimless some of you are busy where are you running? Is all of your business go somewhere? Are you running aimlessly? Then he goes on to say, I do not box as one beating the air. He's probably not talking about training, sort of boxing, as a trying to prepare for fight. He's probably talking about just like the idea of running aimlessly, being in the ring of the competition but swinging without trying to hit the mark. When you're running a marathon, You don't take a scenic detour or go towards the race. When you are in the boxing ring, you don't swing just for its own sake. You try to hit your target. How do we do this? Verse 27 answers this self-discipline. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Paul is talking here about the body, the flesh, but he's talking about the Body as the place where our sin dwells. Sin dwells in my body. I have to not just control the actions that I do, but I have to actually exercise self control over the sin that is dwelling deep in my body. Christianity is not about managing behavior, it's about being transformed from the inside out. That requires us to put the death, the sin that is in us. Paul is really clear about the relationship of sin in our body in the book of Romans looking at Romans chapter 6 verse 12 to 13 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion do not present your members to sin as the instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as the instrument for righteousness now let's continue in Romans Romans chapter 8. Your body does not serve the old master, so it must be under the influence of the spirit. Then again in Romans chapter 8 verse 13, but for for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Self-control means that by the spirit of God, I am exercising control even over my desires. Over the sin that is in me, To discipline it to enslave my body to Christ and not not any longer to my sin to avoid losing what we never had Paul is saying here to avoid losing what we never actually had the Christian lives the life of persisting in self-control it's not to gain something beyond Christ This doesn't save us this but doesn't earn us anything from God this isn't how we preserve salvation so we don't so we don't pumble it away before getting to the goal line. Self-control is a gift that Jesus gives to true believers as a way that he grants them to gain and to participate in abundance of blessings in Christ. We need our Lord Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit in order for us to fight with the sins that are in us. You know, just like what uh, the old saying before, it's you can never play with the devil and expect to win. You need our Lord Jesus Christ, who defeated the enemy already. This leads us to the third mini track. The third one, continue to glory. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So Paul, so Paul then in the third and final section of this passage closes with the main point. We must continue to glory. The great apostle wants to avoid being disqualified. What does he mean here in the third point? Continue to glory. Some would say that what Paul is talking is merely losing a reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14-15, to 15, Paul talks about the idea of the church as a temple built up with all of these materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Each one's work was being built up on the foundation of Jesus Christ as a big temple. But that ultimately everyone's work will be tested on the day of the Lord. See what Paul writes in verse 14, if, that, if the works that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But in verse 15, Paul says, if anyone works is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Some would argue that Paul is talking about here is the possibility of losing a reward. But one commentary, as Thomas Schreiner points out in his commentary, that if you look at the places where this word disqualified is used, it's actually talking about the people who do not believe, who have been disqualified from inheriting the kingdom of God, who at the end of the day will not be saved, will be turned away to the place reserved for the devil and his fallen angels in hell forever. In Romans chapter 1 verse 28, Paul talks about how unbelievers have a depraved or disqualified mind. Also in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8, Paul talks about the Egyptian magician who did the battle with Moses trying to counterfeit the plagues that God was pouring out to Egypt. Continue to glory. Paul urges the Corinthians to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith, test yourself, or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. If you are not in, then you are not. Then you are not in the faith. Then ultimately, you will lose what you never had. You will be disqualified, and you will not receive the prize. The point here is that Paul is worried about not entering to glory, but again, it's very important to see that he is not worried that he might right now have this faith, but that he might somehow some pumble it away. The point is not whether someone can snatch salvation's out of your hand, because no one can snatch you out of Christ's hands. That's the point. What Paul is that he wants to make absolutely sure that he does have the saving That is real for him not just something that he knows that he agrees with see even the demons believe in that way and they shatter and he needs to actually trust it for himself the way that trust faith that living active saving faith will work out is that paul wants to see the fruit of that in the works that the saving faith produces to give us evidence that we have a real active living saving faith faith alone saves us See, faith in the Westminster Confession, questions 11, in the paragraph 2, it's called the alone faith. It's the instrument of justification. You are only justified and made righteous before God by faith, but if faith justifies the person the way the Bible talks about works, is that works justify or validate or confirm the faith? You want to know it if your faith is true? We will look at the works that it produces. It's not the works that are somehow earning you something from God, Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Paul wants to make sure that he doesn't have a dead faith and that it's not alone, but rather he has to have it so, entrusted to himself, to Christ, by a true living, active, saving faith so that on the last day, you should not be disqualified. In closing, remember the clip we watched uh, earlier, the Cool Runnings? The question was asked, how do I know if I have enough? You know, winning gold medal. The answer will be when you cross the finish line. In football, it's called the battle of inches. Every players have a responsibility to do their job. Whether to tackle an opponent, fights for an extra yardage, move inch by inch, they do everything to do their job in order to win game. Remember, it will be the Lord Jesus Christ who will score a touchdown for you. If your task is to move an inch or yards. suddenly end your quest there due to injury or pass away as long as we have the true saving faith in Jesus and we know that He hold on to us that is our run after the goal line our perseverance to glory which is the imperishable writ none other than our Lord Jesus Christ who deserves all the glory honor and thanksgiving yes perishable writ are not wrong to achieve like losing weight, acquiring your dream job, be successful in business, finding your lifetime partner, raising your family well, in control of your possessions, you know, like house, cars, finances, investments and more. But we all know that all of this will also perish at the end. And if you put a lot of effort to be able to achieve some or all of this, then why not run after the goal line? The price of glory of Christ. The imperishable wreath which is promised to us by him in which Jesus has won the victory by running and crossing the goal line scoring an ultimate game winning touchdown here on earth he's up there in heaven seated at the right hand of the throne of God preparing a place for us with many rooms in John chapter 14 verse 2 in heaven the assurance that we had that we have and to know that we will be victorious at the end to the end Even though as one soldier in Second World War said, and I quote, we may lose this battle, but we will win the war. Jesus is more than conqueror. It's like our Lord Jesus Christ watching a replay of a football game and the results of who won the game. It's very obvious. Again, in closing, I want to read this Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2 The
1: Lord
0: bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and, you and peace, give you peace, peace and give you peace. peace and give you peace. The Lord his face to shine upon you and be, gra- and be gracious to you and be gracious. Gracious. Gracious.